Welcome, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. This is Brother Jimmy Fortunato, and you're listening to a sermon from the Pilgrim Baptist Church in Tennessee. For more information about our church, please visit us on the web at pilgrimbaptist.church. All right, title of the message this morning is Make the Choice. Let's get Proverbs chapter 31. We're going to have 10 points on this. We all have choices to make in our life. Number one, this morning we want to look at make the choice not to judge people by their past, not to judge people where they came from, none of that. You want to make a judgment based on what people are doing now, what are they up to now, where are they heading now. Proverbs chapter 31 verse number 9 says, Open thy mouth, judge righteously. And plead the cause of the poor and needy. You know, people say you shouldn't judge, but the Bible says that you should judge. You should judge righteously. You can't worry about what the popular vote is, what the majority of the people are doing. Typically, if the majority is doing it, it's usually wrong. That's not always the case, but it certainly is the case a lot of times. You want to be ready. You want to be bold. You want to be careful not to listen to all the critics you want to judge righteously. And if you judge righteously, you're going to take some slack. You're going to, you're going to get some criticism. You've got to hear people out. You've got to hear the case out. And then you want to make a righteous judgment call. And then Proverbs 31 verse 9, it says, and plead the cause of the poor and the needy. Um, make the choice to be an advocate for those who can't plead their own cause. Children, for example. Um, hear them out. Listen to what they have to say. Make a righteous judgment call. You can't uh, um, expect them to be able to make all the right choices. That's why they have parents to help train them up so that they can. But you want to be an advocate for those who can't plead for themselves. Um, so make the choice to judge righteously. Let's get Matthew chapter 7. And let's see what the Bible says about judging. Matthew chapter 7, it says, judge not. So what, which is it? Proverbs 31 says, judge righteously. And now Matthew chapter 7 says, judge not. Comma, though, there's a comma there, that ye be not judged. Verse number 2, for with what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged. If you want to dish it out, you've got to be able to take it. If you're going to judge somebody based on A, you have to, by default, allow them to judge you based on A. If you are going to measure their life based on a certain set of standards, listen, you've got to be able to allow them to measure your life by that same set of standards. And with what measure you meet, it shall be measured to you. And why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but considerest not the beam that is in thine own eye. 
So what do we do? Do we judge people or do we not judge people? Both. You've got to be able to judge righteously. Now, Jesus Christ is a righteous judge. We are not. But here on earth, we've got to make judgment calls. And we do that in everything in life. From where we go to church, to where we eat, to what we think about a situation, to the groceries that we buy. Well, this one's $1.59. This one's $1.29. Which one am I going to buy? The cheaper one? Well, wait a minute. I get more beans than this one. This one's actually cheaper. And that's judging. We're making judgment calls. We're making decisions. But make the choice to judge righteously based upon where a person is at right now. Does your past bring consequences? Sure it does. Does your past bring regrets? Sure it does. All of ours do. But what are you doing now? Where are you headed now? We need to make the choice to look at people through those eyeglasses and judge righteously. All right, number two. Let's get Joshua chapter 24. Make the choice. To be responsible in your choices. The responsibility of choices. Some people can't be trusted to make good choices. And it seems that some people, they can just always be trusted to make good choices. You ever meet someone like that? It's like no matter what they do or what they touch, it just goes south. <laughs> And then other people, it's like, man, everything this guy touches, it just, it's, it works out. Why is that? I don't know. <laughs> and you don't know either. It's just, for most of us, we don't fall into those two extreme categories. We fall somewhere in the middle. In Joshua 24, choose you this day whom ye will serve. Whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. The Make the choice to be responsible in your choices. Your household, where you live, what are the choices you're going to make? Joshua 24, 15. What God are you going to serve? We've got all types of things that come our way in our homes. We're going to, that, could, that could come into our homes. Are we going to allow them? TV, nothing sinful or inherently wrong with the TV. But when you plug that cable line into it, you've got to figure out what that's funneling into your home. We all got to figure that out. We all got to make a choice on what we're going to allow with that. What God are we going to serve? We say, how am I serving? The... You got the God of Hollywood that's anti-God. It's an anti-God organization. You're going to trust that to be dumped into your living room. God said, we got to take a principle. Who are you going to serve? But there's some good stuff on there. There, there are. There is. <laughs> There is. You got to work that out. You got to figure that out. 
Music, you gotta figure that out. The whole music industry is not based on biblical principles. It's based on sex, outside of marriage, drugs, and we're not talking prescription drugs or medicinal marijuana, all right? We're talking about drinking, drugging, fornicating, love completely redefined. They have a definition, but their definition of love is not what the Bible definition of love is. Who are you going to serve? Make the choice to be responsible in your choices. And what comes into your home and who you're going to serve, it's going to determine a lot. It's going to influence a lot. Influence has power. If you have the president of the company or the CEO of the company, he does have influence over everyone else in that company. The father of the home does have influence over the others in the home. The older sister, the older brother, they do have influence over the younger brothers and sisters. They do. Mama, she does have influence over those children. Every single one of us has influence over someone. What are you going to do with that influence? Make the choice to be responsible in your choices. Number three, Genesis 1. That's a simple one. Make the choice. Don't dominate, associate. Genesis 1.26. Here's some things God gave us dominion over and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. We, we had some fun with that. You know, you're not going to see the cattle lock up the, the farmer into the barn. It's going to be the other way around. You're not going to see the fish put somebody in a fisher net. It's going to be the other way around because we have dominion over those things. Man has dominion. However, you cannot domineeringly force someone to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Romans 6, let's get that. Make the choice not to be domineering. Here's why. Romans chapter 6, verse number 14, the Bible says, For sin shall not have dominion over you, for ye are not under the law, but under grace. You know what dominates a person's life before they come to the Lord Jesus Christ? Sin has dominion over them. Sin, they can't conquer sin. They have no payment for sin. Jesus Christ came. He saves by His grace. The law never saved anybody. Sin should not have dominion over your life. Jesus Christ comes in, should be that one who rules your life. So, the lost person that you're witnessing to, the lost person that you're talking to, they already have a domineering force in their life. Sin. Helping them to see that is going to get you one, clep, one step closer to having them trust Jesus Christ as their Savior. Because 
trying to force it down their throat, trying to tell them, we've all seen and heard stories, we've been Christians long enough, where someone's getting worn out by somebody that just has a bad attitude about, about it. You ever meet people that are, it almost like it almost seems like that they're happy that the lost person is going to hell. That's what we're talking about. We don't want that. Sin has the domineering effect in their life. Help them to realize that and help them come to the Savior and get them to associate their life with Christ. Also, don't get frustrated if you have friends or family or co-workers that you know that aren't saved or aren't living the Christian life, you continue to witness to them. But you also have to associate yourself with other brothers and sisters in Christ. That's one of the reasons why you should come to church. The week beats you up. You get some refreshment here at church. You get some preaching of God's Word. You get to associate with God's people. That should be a time that helps uh, heal the battle wounds from the week prior. So you want to be able to associate with other brothers and sisters in Christ. All right, number four. Let's get 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Change is possible. People can choose to allow their past actions to define who they are. Or they can make the choice to say, you know what? Change just happened. Change is possible. Right? In the present, there might be consequences from the past. In the present, there might be regrets from the past. But look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. The Bible says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, is that you? He is a new creature. If you're in Christ, guess what God says? You're a new creature. Old things are what? Passed away. Behold, all things are become New. Change happened. You're saved. Old desires, old wants, old habits, they should pass away. Behold, all things have become new. If people can just get a hold of that verse and live that verse, you won't be stuck in 1990, or 2000, or 2010, or 2006, or 2018. You're a new creature in Christ. Get a hold of that. Change happened. That means change is possible right now. Don't allow what happened, past tense, to define who you are. You get punched in the face enough times 
You're going to get punch drunk. You're going to slur your words. And that's going to be a consequence of getting punched in the face. And that's why boxers and MMA fighters and some of these guys that... Why do they talk like that? They've been hit in the face too many times. That's a consequence of that. Now, when they're 25, they don't have any regrets. But when they're 55, they do. Make the change. Yes, you've got the consequence. But make the change. And say, you know what? I'm not going to step into that ring again. Because every time I do, <laughs> I keep getting beat up. Make a different choice. Now, I did see a, uh, a very funny advertisement video of everything is reality now. And I, I thought this was the coolest thing that I've seen for somebody to get business than uh, I've seen in a long time. This guy goes out on the street with a video crew and he says, um, here, I want, you to, uh, I want you to see how many times you can punch me in the face. And they, and they look at him like, really? Are you going to hit me back? They would ask. Oh, no, no, no. I'm not going to hit you back. You know, and so he'd, he'd play it along. Well, okay. He goes, here, put on these boxing gloves. And I'm not going to hit you back at all. But you've got 30 or 40 seconds. I want to see how many times you can punch me in the face. Oh, okay. You know, you see some young, you know, 20-year-old. He's putting the gloves on. He, you know, he's ready to go. And so what happens is the guy... He just puts his hands up and the other guy's got the boxing gloves and he has, you know, some of the ladies, he gets some ladies too to put some gloves on, try to punch them in the face. And he bobs and weaves and he ducks and he moves all around and he gives them like 30, 40 seconds. And at the end he says, look, if you want to learn how to not get punched in the face, <laughs> sign up for my course. <laughs> but he went out to the street and he gave everybody a shot at trying to punch him. And he showed that he could, and his whole thing was, look, if you can not get hit, there you go. You don't need to know anything else. Just, and I said, man, that, that's the way to do it. He really gave people something to, to chew on. Now, that's much better than trying to dominate, domineer somebody. He gave them something real to get a hold of so that they can experience something. Wow. We need to kind of do the same thing with the gospel. They've got to be able to own it. They've got to be able to get a hold of it themselves and say, oh, wow, that, wor that works. I don't have that in my life. I'm missing, I know I'm missing something in my life and that's it. Much, much better, much different. Luke chapter number seven. All right. Those in authority should not just do what they want. Those in authority should be held accountable. As a matter of fact, they should be held to a higher account because they have the influence, they have the authority, 
And so there should be accountability. Look at um, uh, okay, okay, okay. All right, let's see verse number uh, seven. We'll start off with. Wherefore, neither thought I myself worthy to come unto thee, but say in a word, and my servant shall be healed. For I also am a man set under authority, having under me soldiers. And I say unto one, go, and he goeth, and to another, come, and he cometh, and to, a, and to my servant, do this, and he doeth it. When Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him and turned him about and said unto the people that followed him, I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. Here you have a soldier who is used to authority. And within that authority structure in the military, there's built in accountability. There's a protocol. You, you say, Come, the guy should come. You say go, he should go. And there's built into the military is accountability. Usually people that are in the military make good business people, make good church members, make good workers because of the discipline that has been built into the authority structure. And there's accountability all over it. You see it in martial arts as well. Minus all the Eastern mysticism stuff in, in some of them. There's an authority structure. There's an accountability. The instructor who's running the academy has instructors that keep an eye on him. And it works. Same with the military. So we can't get into church and then say, the pastor just has no accountability and he can just do whatever he wants. You can't say the deacon and the elder has no accountability. They can just do what they want. Accountability works. Now, it might look different in different organizations, but accountability is a biblical principle. Those in authority should be held accountable. If the preacher... Well, let's start with... If the deacon is called at the bar drinking and getting drunk on a Friday night and the church members hear about it, it's not, well, let's take a vote and see what all the other deacons think. It's, no, the Bible's, you're a leader. No. Get him off the board. He can come to church. He can sit. He can learn. He can get right. He can repent. He can do all those things. But you can't give a pass to somebody because they're the deacon or they're the elder or they're the pastor. You can't. This is why we want to grow. We want the Lord to grow His church. We want to grow in the Lord and we want to rise up and train up other leaders. The church should naturally recognize those leaders Pastor has accountability. Pastor can bounce things off those leaders. And it works. 
just like any organization. If you work for a company or if you own a company, the successful companies, the owner is getting advice from those over him and those under him. Well, who's over him? There's other experts in the industry too <laughs> that he's consulting with. There's employees that have been around and are seeing things on the field that are advising him. And it works because accountability works. It's not everybody gets to do what they want. It works. It works. Number six. Let's get Philippians chapter four, a very popular verse for the Christian sports teams. Philippians chapter four. Verse number 13 says, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Yeah, but you just prayed that and said that and then you lost the basketball game. So apparently you can't. So what does that mean? First, our point here is make the choice to see potential in everyone. Everyone has potential. Everyone might not be as smart as you. Everyone might not be as strong as you. Everybody might not be as hard as a worker as you. Everybody might not want to be a missionary and go to Mongolia like you. But everybody has potential in the Lord. And you've got to be able to, and I've got to be able to, make the choice to see that potential. A lot of people look at somebody and they say, well, he's not as good as me. Or he did all this stuff, so he'll never be. We can't think like that. We may think like that, but I'm saying make the choice to see the potential in everyone. That's how you take an apprentice log home builder and you make him into an expert log home builder. That's how you take a white belt and you mold him into a black belt. That's how you take someone that can't pick up a ball bat into a baseball player. You see the potential and you say, you know what? Work with them. Give them some time. Let them fail. Everybody's afraid of failure. What's the deal with that? Just let the kid fail. Let him fall down. Let him scrape his knee. Let somebody throw a fastball and hit him in the gut. Let him get taken down on the mat and get armbarred in 30 seconds. Let him get some failure in his life. Then you look down at him with an outstretched hand and help him up. Because you want to see the potential in him. And you say, you know what? You're getting back up. Nice job. You showed some courage out there. Nice job. Here's what happened to me. Nice job. We can't be afraid of failure. We have to make the choice to see potential in people's life. Now, Philippians, let's go back to that verse. Because verse number 13. Let's see. I can do all things through Christ with which strengtheneth me. Well, let's see what those all things are. Starting in verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. And I again say rejoice. 
Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Now watch this. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, think on these things. Those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein ye were also careful, but ye lacked opportunity. See all these things? Now that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am, Therewith be content. All those things. What are the all things? Look at them all. Verse 4, all the way down to verse number 8, 9. Being content. Verse 11. All those things you can do through Christ which strengtheneth you. How can you be content? You can do that thing. You can learn to be content through Christ which strengtheneth me. How do I do all the things in verse number seven and eight? In verse number six, seven, and eight. You can do all those things through Christ with strengtheneth me. Don't look at... <laughs> Don't go to the basketball saying, I can do all things through Christ with strengtheneth me and thinking that that means you're going to win the game. And then you lose the game. So apparently Christ didn't strengthen you or you didn't pray enough or whatever it is now you're going to have to spin it. Instead, why don't you just use that verse and say, I can do all things through Christ with strengtheneth me and then add the all things that are in the context of this chapter here. I can play an honest game through Christ which strengtheneth me. I can have, um, I can have peace with God through Christ with strengtheneth me. I can have a good report. When I come home from that from that away game, I'll have a good report through Christ which strengtheneth me. Help people to see that they have potential. Help people to see all the things that they can do through Christ that will strengthen them to do it and give them all these things in Philippians 4. Forget about winning the game through Christ. How about keeping yourself pure? How about keeping yourself honest? Coming home with a good report? Praying? Oh, all of that. Help them to see that. Number seven. Make the choice not to be because I said so, guy. Or, because I said so, lady. First Peter. Sometimes it has to be, let's talk about this. Let's get some understanding. Let's figure out what is actually going on. Instead of, because I said so. Imagine working for a boss and every morning, uh, sir, why do I need to... Uh, 
be at this job? Because I said so. And every time the kid wakes up in the morning, it's, uh, well, I'd like you to help set the table. Why? Because I said so. Well, quit saying because I said so. <laughs> First Peter chapter number 5. Verse number three. Here's, let's make the application to anyone who is a leader, and we're all leaders in some aspect. Uh, so we're going to make some application. Feed the flock of God which is among you. I keep saying this, and I'll keep saying it because I want people to get it. The pastor, the elders, the deacons are to feed the flock which they are among. Just read the Bible. Feed the flock of God which is among you. I'm to feed you, but I'm among you. I'm part of the flock. Taking the oversight. So that is where there's the over. There's the among, but then there is the oversight. Meaning you have to oversee everything. That's what a leader does. That's what a boss does. That's what the general does. But he's still among the flock. Not by constraint, but willingly. Not for filthy lucre, but as a ready mind. Neither as being lords over God's heritage. Why do I have to be baptized? Because I said so. Why do I have to? Because I said so. Good night. Would you stop saying because I said so? It just wears people out. It's that attitude. It's that mindset. It's that. That just reminded me. It has nothing at all to do with the message, but there's this, there's this video I've seen that my friend sent me about this pastor who just lets his congregation have it. He just calls them out. <laughs> it's an independent Baptist church too, I think. And the guy, oh, well, I got I to gotta send that one to Nathan. He'll, he'll like that. Um, so you got to remind me to find that and, and text it to him. It's so funny. It, but it's an example of a guy. He is just he is just drunk with himself. And he's it's funny. So you can't you, you read all the way down through all of that, right? And now get to number eleven. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Who should have dominion over your life? God. Nobody else. God should be the domineering factor in your life. You should do something because God said so. You read it in the Bible. You believed it. And you want Him. He's the one that gets the glory and dominion forever and ever. Not any man. So let's be careful about being the I said so guy or the I said so gal. All right, three more and we are done. Number eight, make the choice to identify and use your spiritual gifts. Natural talent, not what we're talking about. Although natural talent can certainly be used. Skill sets that are learned. You learn how to be a, an artist or a craftsman or you learn a trade. Those are skills that you've developed. That's not what we're talking about. Although they can be very helpful. But if you have the spiritual gifts of helps, you certainly could help using the natural talents and skills that you have. So there is some crossover to that. 
But spiritual gifts, let's get 1 Corinthians 12. And verse number 7, But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom. To another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit. To another the gift of healing by the same Spirit. To another the working of miracles. To another prophecy. To another discerning of spirits. To another diverse kinds of tongues. To another the interpretation of tongues. We're not going to get into miracles and healing and tongues. That's not the purpose of this message. But we want you to get the fact that you've got to get a hold of, make the choice to get a hold of and identify your spiritual gifts. All right, let's get over to Romans 12. Romans 12, verse... Number five, so we being many are one body in Christ and every one members one of another. Well, I don't like that guy. I don't like that gal. Well, read verse five. You're one body in Christ. Get, you're going to have to figure out how to get along. Get over yourself. Having then gifts differing. You don't want everybody to have your gift according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophesy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith, or ministry, let us wait on ministering, or he that teacheth on teaching, or he that exhorteth on exhortation, he that giveth. It's funny, nobody has the gift of giving. You know, the guy comes in, yeah, I've got the gift of giving, and he you know, waves around Benjamins. I guess some people um, I'd like to show off like that, but um, I haven't experienced that. Um, but giving, is a, it's, it's a gift. Um, let him do it with simplicity. So that means the guy shouldn't be coming in and, and bragging and, hey, I'm the, I'm the rich banker in town. Everybody, look, I'm here. We don't want that. He that ruleth with diligence. You know, we, we talked about how to rule. He that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. Okay. You saved, you saved, not we're all saved here. We have gifts. Make the choice to identify those gifts and let God, let yourself be used by God in your local church, in your family, out in the world. All right, number nine, make the choice to allow God to build His church instead of allowing culture to define and build a church. Romans 12, 2 says, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Allow God to build His church. We can't look at the world. We can't look at the culture and say, the world likes this, the culture likes this. We'll knock on enough doors, and instead of giving them the gospel, we'll just say, hey, what do you like in a church? And then we'll just tweak it so we look like that. God wants us to look like this and go by His Word. So make the choice to allow God to build His church. Don't allow culture to build a church. Last one, number 10. Let's get John chapter 12, and we will finish. Pull people closer to Christ. 
Be careful of pushing people away from Christ. The gospel is simple and should be the only offense. We personally should not be the offense. We should not be offending people. The gospel is the offense. Jesus Christ died for your sin. If they're offended by that, that's a rightful offense. If you want to deliver it with a nasty attitude, with a nasty motive, that's your fault. That's your problem. And that lost person is right in saying that you're a nut. You deliver somebody the gospel and they're offended by the gospel, that's fine. How do we do that? John chapter number 12, verse number 32. And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. We talked about how you can push people away. Nasty attitudes, bad motives. How do you pull them closer? How do you point them to Christ? You must lift him up. You're witnessing to somebody, don't lift your intellectual arguments up. You're witnessing to someone or talking to a lost person, don't lift up yourself. You've got to be able to lift up Jesus Christ. You've got to be able to point people to that lifted Savior and say, hey, look and live. Get your eyes off of me. Get your eyes off of my personality. Get your eyes off of my attitude. Get your eyes completely off me and you arguing. And I want to point you to the Savior. And He will draw all men. He will draw all men. He wants you to be saved. How do we point someone to Christ? We have to lift the Savior up. He must always have the exalted position. Not our argumentative skills, not our persuasion skills, not our personality. All of those things might come into play in the conversation, but you've got to be careful. You're not drawing all men towards yourself. You're drawing him. He must always be the preeminent, exalted Savior. Make the choice. Make the choice. All right, bow with me, please. Thank you, Lord. We are thankful that we uh, are saved. You drew us to You, Lord. We thank You for that. Help us to apply these principles to our lives this week. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. Amen. Thanks a bunch for listening. For more information about Pilgrim Baptist Church, be sure to visit us online at pilgrimbaptist.church where you can also send me a personal message or learn more about joining us for a church service. And remember, Christ is all.